0: Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update.
1: Market View on Money FM 89.3.
0: So welcome to Market View. Let's take a quick look at how Singapore shares are faring at the top of this hour. It's, it's recording in at 3,205 points. It's down by about 0.74%. And joining me today to give us a wrap on how the markets are performing this week, I have Jeff Howie, the market strategist at the SGX. Hi, Jeff. Welcome to the show. Good afternoon.
1: Yeah, thank you. Good afternoon, Sean.
0: Hi. So Singapore shares, they've opened a bit in the red today. In fact, it's 074 percent down right now. So maybe you can summarize for us, how has the SDI been faring for the past week?
1: Yeah, so it's pretty much been a similar story, Sean. The SDI is down one percent over the past week. Uh, It's testing this 3,200 level this morning, uh, which is pretty much exactly where we were about seven weeks ago. And this, if today, uh, as I said, right around 3,200, if we don't close above Uh, 32.29 today then this will mark six consecutive declines for the STI and it has been more or less aligned with the China market. So CSI 300 uh, has also declined by a similar amount and if we uh, close around these levels today it brings our year-to-date total return to around 1%, which is pretty much, again, in line with the China CSI 300 uh, in Singapore dollar terms. But meanwhile, it hasn't been all red uh, for the region. You've had Thailand, Japan, India uh, leading the leaderboard Mm -hmm. uh, of the Asia Stock Benchmarks this week.
0: Okay. And of course, uh, we would like to also check out uh, who are some of the biggest movers on the STI this week.
1: Sure. Uh, Within the STI itself, you've got Wilmar International leading uh, up around 2.8%. Jardine Matheson's up 2.3%. And then you've got Hong Kong Land holding, Singapore Tech Engineering, and another one of the Jardine Group, Cycle and Carriage, uh, leading, leading the STI as well. But on the other side of the coin, Venture Corp, Thai Beverage... DFI Retail, Fraser Logistics and Commercial Trust, as well as Capital Land Investment, have been leading the decliners. If you take a look outside the STI into the adjacent index, that's the FTSE ST Share, mm-hmm. which is about 100 stocks versus the STI 30 stocks. Ahead of Wilmar, you've actually got JAPFA, Top Glove, SIA Engineering and Golden Agri Resources uh, leading that index so far this week and also i think one one interesting thing to look at today uh, in that everything's not in the red as i said is a little bit mixed and we had that news that U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan had met with the top Chinese uh, official Wang Yi back in Vienna. So our most traded ETF on a day-to-day basis is, of course, the Lion Global OCBC Securities Hang Seng Tech Index. And that ETF's up six-tenths of a percent today.
0: All right. And of course, uh, take a look at the uh, STI right now, uh, advances, uh, they're recording at 202 and there are 256 decliners. So I think the decliners have got this uh, res- are wrestling today. So. And, but of course... I think you're right. Yeah, but let's just uh, take a look, of course, at the... Um, Three major banks, because how can we not, right? Uh, yeah. Well, they, they are continuing to post robust results for the uh, first quarter. The first quarter, the last of the three, will being UOB, uh, where it's no, uh, where it's net profit rose sixty-seven percent of the year to one point five billion. Uh, it looks like it's the same for all three banks, is not it? They're all appearing to be, uh, you know, breaking past their peak. And analysts are saying that this could signal tougher times ahead for the banks. So, what are your views?
1: Yeah, I, I well, it's it's an, it, it's in it's, uh, it's the analysts might be saying you're coming to an inflection point, so. So to speak, because your net interest margins have been increasing significantly year on year, as as would it be expected when you have 500 basis points of Fed rate hikes in the course of 15 months. But uh, at the same time, that they, they all reported record profits for the first quarter. You know, combined the mm-hmm. three of them, DBS, OCBC, and UOB last year for well, for their FY if, for their FY 22. Do you know how much they paid in dividends in total combined? It was it was it was ten billion sing mm-hmm. dollars. So um, that's coming from also uh, diverse sources. So around two thirds of their total income, right, comes yes. from the net interest income, which is predominantly driven by these net interest margins, as well as the growth on the, uh, the size of the actual loan books. So those net interest margins. Um, basically, that's how much money the bank's earning in interest on its loans compared to how much it has to pay on on, on the on its deposits. So. Um, those NIMS went from for UOBs um, in the case of UOB went from 1.58% last year up to 2.14% so that has a big impact but what also as we said is is important is the actual size of the loan growth being able to grow the net interest income while the net interest margins consolidate somewhat on the higher rates Mm -hmm. being able to to achieve their guidance of that low to single uh, low to mid sorry single digit percentage guidance which which they've all given basically uh, UOB uh, OCBC said pretty much they expect the same thing in terms of loan growth uh, and DBS expecting 3 to 5% loan growth this year but there's also as just to say that so the net interest income makes up the line share 2 thirds of their total income but you've also got non-interest income and that's wealth management fees uh, you know, yes. insurance and so forth. And that's actually um, been growing pretty strongly as well. It was up uh, something like 65% quarter on quarter for OCBC. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, that. you know, UOB and DBS are both expecting, you know, around 10% um, guidance for their non-interesting, or well, for their fees, fee uh, income this year. And, oh, and it's not mm-hmm. just all Singapore too, Sean, sorry, just one more thing. Oh yeah, sure. Um, is that, uh, the banks are uh, generally well aligned with Asia as well in that the total amount of income segmented to Singapore for UOB last year was actually less than 60%. And then UOB um, UOB's also completed acquisitions for its city wealth management business in Thailand, Malaysia, Vietnam, and expects to complete Indonesian acquisition by the year end. So I guess... Um, you know, you can look at the interest rates and the and the and the overall growth picture, but it's also um, there's also a lot to, to look at in these uh, business updates and recent financial reports, presentations and so forth that I definitely encourage the investors to to have a look at.
0: Oh, you've set us up nicely because we, to move away from yeah. Singapore, but before I do that, I just have to ask you, um, back taking us taking us back to Singapore. Other than yep. UOB, uh, is is there any other earnings result that you know is standing out to you right now?
1: Yeah, I think, um, well, interesting, well, as we were saying with UOB, right, we, we were talking about the fees income being up. And IFAST also, this is a little while ago as well, uh, mentioned how their assets under administration was up something like 4% in this in the past quarter, first quarter of this year, versus the last quarter of last year. Uh, but OCBC as well, I think... It, it was maintaining that it would have that low to mid-single-digit loan growth as well this year, and of course, it had net profit records as well. That that was the third of the three banks to report this week. You also had capital and investment. It's It saw an 11% year-on-year year rise in its revenue for the quarter. Uh, on the tech side, you had UMS Holdings. Uh, seeing its first quarter profit actually declining 10% uh, as expected. And StarHub, though, did uh, report net profit growth of 26% in the first quarter on 11% service revenue growth.
0: I'm sure Starhub probably got a good uh, results as well because of their, their TV business. <laughs> but moving on anyway. Um, yeah, lots of sports there. Um, moving on anyway, let's just take a look at what else is moving the markets this week around the sure. world. Uh, of course, we cannot not talk about this. We're talking about the U.S. inflation data that of, we came in. We know it rose by 4.9% from the year earlier. So th- that comes as a surprise to you
1: yeah no it didn't but as you said it's it, it we've got to talk about it because you like the banks as well and and the banks uh, so far this year have made up about 25 to 30 cents in every dollar that's gone to work in the stock market and as as we said you know two-thirds of the incomes net interest income on the back of interest rates uh being a key driver in that so so clearly what's happening in the us does have a really big impact on our market every single day And that headline CPI at 4.9%, it is down from 9.1% back in June last year, but it was still up 0.4% month on month. It's the first time that CPI gauge actually came in below 5% for something like two years. But the problem is the headline CPI, it's more about cost of living than it is about wages growth. And at the moment, it's this shortage of workers in the U.S. providing for a tighter labor market. And that means that workers basically attain more sway in in their quest for higher wages. So, you know, as the saying goes, persistence is omnipotent, but persistence is pretty much the operable word these days when it comes to this current bout of inflation in the U.S. And while well, the number was uh, well received, it really didn't do much to allay uh, concerns of the persistence of inflation in the US at the moment.
0: And of course, what does this signal now then? So do you think that the uh, Federal Reserve is going to have room to pause this interest rate increases?
1: Yeah, well, the next FOMC's, uh, when is it? It's, 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 ooh, it's about five weeks away on the 14th of June. And there's, uh, in terms of expectations, we have seen a marginal tweak in an increased chance for a pause based on that headline being at 4.9%, but the expectation was around 85% for a pause before and then uh, back above 90% now. So it's not a huge difference. Mm -hmm. There is still room for some indifference, uh, particularly given that after the FOMC last week, it was expectations were actually 100% for the pause. But, you know, um, the Fed speakers is are really important to follow what they're saying as well. We had the M- Minneapolis uh, president, Neil Kaskari, uh, last night maintain there has been a softening in wage growth across the U.S., but to quote him, it has actually been very mixed And he is an FOMC voter, so his his decision actually does go into changing the interest rates. And um, I guess last night he also added a proverbial to the uh, inflation prognosis, stating that inflation was pretty darn persistent.
0: So do you think that the US is going to need to see more than one month of data to be confident that the price pressures are on this uh, sustained downward path?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we've got uh, two big numbers out before the next FOMC, so... Uh, you've got the April PCE core deflator, which is due on the 26th of May. Now, this is their most favoured mm-hmm. gauge, and this is basically being range-bound between 4.3% and 5.3% for the past 18 months. It did come in at 4.6% for March. If it did come in at something like 44 or lower for April, that would be seen as good news in terms of trending lower. Uh, but we've also got the next U.S. CPI would be the 13th of June, and that would be uh, following up from the one we just had uh, this week, and that number uh, will be released exactly one day prior to that 14th of June FOMC.
0: Right, so lots more data to look ahead at for the next month. Uh, So how have Asian markets been reacting to all this uh, data, data that we've received this week?
1: Yeah, it's pretty much mixed across the region, uh, Sean, Mm -hmm. which basically means you're flat across your broad aggregates like the FTSE All World Index or FTSE Asia Pacific Index. The concern is that uh, obviously you have higher inflation, which is higher U.S. rates, higher U.S. dollar, and that dampens growth across the region. But of course, Asia is meant to uh, provide the engines for global growth this year. And thus, as I mentioned before, you've had some uh, outperformance in, in across Asia, from all the way from Japan to Thailand to India and so mm-hmm. forth. But also, markets are pretty much on edge, watching this uh, debt ceiling uh, development as well. Uh, it's expected really to go down to the wire uh, because the y- y- politics involved basically mean that your your different parts of the US polit- political circles really have to uh, seem to be posturing yes. um, ahead of their fundraising that they'll need to conduct before the next election. So you've got your credit default swap rate for one-year uh, US uh, sovereign bonds at around 175 to 180 basis points. So that's actually representing like the cost of insuring the US sovereign debt, and it's somewhat of a sensitive uh, barometer these days. It, it's moved up slightly this week, but not... Hugely this week. Um, So we have to wait and see what happens tonight when President Biden meets House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, they're they're
0: planning to meet a lot over the next week, I noticed. Yeah. (laughs) So um, what then should we investors be looking out for? Because there's so much to unpack.
1: Oh, there's so much to unpack, in, especially in our market. In our market itself, you've got Singapore Airlines, Cromwell European REIT, and Netlink NBN Trust reporting next week. You've got our uh, monthly, every, whenever it's the 17th of the month, that's when we have our non oil domestic exports data. Mm-hmm. So that will be 8.30 on Wednesday morning. Uh, and it's expected to keep contracting. Uh, China itself, it takes up about, or absorbs, I should say, about a quarter of, All the exports that come from Asia outside of China and uh, this this reopening process is taking time to see a turnaround in in exports to China so you've got Taiwan exports South Korea exports and Singapore exports all in contraction since October last year and this, this mom, month of April is not expected to be any different. You also have a number of Fed speakers uh, over the week, and importantly, FOMC Chair Jerome Powell and the former Chair Ben Bernanke, um, Benanke I should say. I was say that <laughs> wrong. <laughs> my terrible pronunciation, apologize, Bernanke, they'll be in a panel uh, discussion uh, as well discussing monetary policy um, which will be really important to watch for the week. And then you've got key data in China as well, Um, industrial production, retail sales, uh, an announcement on their one-year medium-term lending facility, which is one of their three monetary policy um, PBOC tools and then of course G7 Leaders Summit in, in Hiroshima, Japan. Okay. coming up ah, right so
0: thank you Jeff for your time and your insights before I let you go though I'm just gonna yep. have to ask you so with all that you know right now and all the data that you've seen uh, yep. how are you feeling is the glass empty half full or is just that no more water to pour into the glass anymore
1: I'm, I'm paid to tell you exactly uh, how full the glass is. <laughs> that's my job. That's my job. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We, we have a very, very diversified stock market here in Singapore. Uh, you've got a lot of different sector trends. You've got a lot of different countries that we're exposed to through these businesses. And uh, there's always something interesting to look at. You might not have a reason to invest every single day, but there's always something happening in these businesses. And I encourage all your investors to to uh, keep following him. Lots, lots happening in corporate Singapore.
0: Definitely. And uh, of course, have a good weekend, Jeff. That's, you too. Uh,
1: thank you, sir. Thanks, Sean. That, thank you.
0: And that's Jeff Howie, market strategist at SGX. And uh, stay tuned with FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on MoneyFM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg.